Hello, and welcome to episode 7 of the Courtside Podcast, an NBA podcast. This episode is brought to you by YouTube channels Hyman Temptation and Captain Barbo, who make new content just about every single week of funny video games. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Good evening, everybody, and I am speaking to you now after we've seen the first game for all the series on the Eastern and Western Conferences of the first round of the playoffs. And let me tell you, it has been a fun Easter weekend. I'm letting you know right now from the games of Saturday and Sunday. In this episode, we're going to go into what we saw of the first games and what they could possibly tell us about how each and every single series will turn out to be going into the second round. And then, of course, I have to give off my predictions and then talk a little bit about Boston and Nets but first I have to go straight to Saturday which started off the playoffs with the Mavericks hosting the Utah Jazz the fourth and fifth of the Western Conference played their first game there in Dallas however the Mavericks were not able to get a win at home because of Luka Doncic's absence with his calf strain uh, the Utah Jazz take that one 99 to 93 and Honestly, this was actually a back-and-forth game. Donovan Mitchell seemed kind of slow in the beginning of, of the first half, and then later on he took it himself to get on fire. Ended up having 32 points in this one. And he wasn't really shooting at all good, as I said before. Kind of slow off in the first half, 10-29. and 29, But his team definitely picked up a little bit for him. I mean, Bogdanovich came in with 26 points. And then Rudy Gobert, who's been Defensive Player of the Year, could also be talking about a little bit of his accolades on the rebounding category as he gets another great night with 17 rebounds in total against Dallas. And Dallas's second best player, I have to say myself, and Spencer Dinwiddie had 22 points that night. However, Brunson, 24 points, played 40 minutes out there. And honestly, he's really developing himself as a guard. And all this playoff time he's going to be getting, I feel like he really will be something special for Dallas. However, the Utah Jazz take that one for the first game. And then after that, which was actually kind of funny, um, the Memphis Timberwolves series. That one, I am so 50-50 on. Because this game, the T-Wolves took this one 130-117 at Memphis. It was another game where the away team went off and took a game away from the home court advantage team in a series in the Western Conference. And I just thought to myself that this is probably the most even matchup in the West. The Minnesota Timberwolves have a real chance of knocking out the Grizzlies. And if you look at the box scores, you can tell why. I mean, Minnesota scored 41 in that first quarter, and that was off the help of Carlton Towns and Anthony Edwards, who have somehow, some way, has found himself to be a lethal three-point shooter. I mean, only going 40... My apologies, only going for 4-11 and 11 there for that game. But still, he had a lot of great attempts, and he was there making those shots when they went on these high runs of 10-0 runs for Minnesota against Jaw and the Memphis Grizzlies. And Jaw actually finished off this game with 32 points. And that's actually pretty good for Jaw. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, of course, he went 8-18, and 18, only going 44% from the field. But 32 points is definitely something you want leading off uh, the other players on that starting lineup, we had about three other guys with double-digit points. Brooks with 24, Bain with 17, and then Jackson Jr. with 12, which I think that Jackson Jr. has to develop himself to be this charismatic guy where he has to be able to develop his game and go on with the playoff intensity because he has to score at least 20 if he wants to match up with Carl Anthony Towns. And Towns actually 
he did pretty well. 29 points, definitely better than what their playing game was against the Clippers, so he rebounded. He actually was on the floor for about 42 minutes. And 29 points, 13 rebounds, gets the double-double there. And Anthony Edwards, as I said before, his three-point game has always been improving. But what about his shot selection? And as well as his able to execute. 36 points in this game with six assists. Really moving the ball around. And from the bench as well, we had two guys getting double digits for Memphis. My apologies for Minnesota. And Beasley and McDaniels. Beasley actually had 23, which is much better than a majority of the starters on Minnesota. And then the Memphis Grizzlies bench barely even got close to even producing more than 40 points off the bench. So Minnesota takes that first game, and it looks like it's going to be a real long series over there for the Memphis Grizzlies. And then the game after that was the 76ers game going against Toronto. The Eastern Conference, fourth and fifth seed going off in Philadelphia. And this game was, well... It was kind of on the same pace that it started. 76ers went on a good run. They kept it going. The Raptors couldn't really buy a basket early off, and it was a little bit too late to even rebound, and they never really got on a big stretch. And to give you an idea right now, Philadelphia, they outscored every single quarter. They outscored the Toronto Raptors every single quarter. First quarter, they had 35. After that, 34. After that, 38. After that, 24. The closest the Toronto even got to an actual efficient quarter was the third quarter where they scored 37. The rest were around the average of 24 to 23 points per quarter. So Toronto definitely needs to build themselves up if they want to take away game two in Philadelphia because literally they were just trailing behind the entire way. Uh, Pascal Siakam got 24 points, almost playing 40 minutes in that one. And Van Vliet, 18 points in this one. However... He did the most that he can, but 7-12 and 12 from the field. And he was 4-7 and seven from 3. You're taking a majority of your shots out there on the perimeter. you got to get yourself a better basket. I feel like this team right now in Toronto is not really trying to get the ball moving going. I know that Nick Nurse is a fantastic coach. He'll probably adapt in Game 2. But James Harden, 22 points. Joel Embiid, 19 points. Harris, 26 points. And how about Tyrese Maxey, the kid out of Kentucky, coming out with 38 points in this one. He was on fire, absolutely phenomenal, went 14-21 from the field, just about 67% overall in field goal. And how about this, 5-8 from three. He was playing phenomenal, went 100% from the free throw line, taking five of five shots. And the bench coming out from Philadelphia, Milton was great. I think Thibault was a real big piece defensively as he's been all year, but... That one should not go more than a couple of games for Philadelphia if they keep on playing that the way they're playing. And then the night game on Saturday was, of course, the Warriors going up against the Denver Nuggets. And that one, eh, kind of the same story as the other ones. Basically, the Warriors led the entire way. They win this 123-107 to over the Denver Nuggets. Jokic having an MVP caliber year, put up some MVP type of numbers with 25 points and 10 rebounds, getting a double-double, and getting close to even four assists away from a triple-double. But at the same time, only one other player on his team would actually score 20-plus, which is Barton with 24 points. And then Golden State, I mean, Jordan Poole, he's leading the way. He is leading the way. I don't know how he does it, but he ended up starting in this one and with 30 minutes 
he gets 30 points. He's averaging at least a point a minute right now in these playoff series. And of course, it's only game one, so I mean, who knows when that's going to change up. But Jordan Poole, phenomenal play out of him. Andrew Wiggins, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green all get into the double-digit category for points. And Curry coming off the bench, believe it or not, off the bench, coming out with 16 points. Only played about 21 minutes in this one. So this is actually going to be a really interesting playoff series just because I feel... That Denver, even though they're not going to win this one, this should still be something to look after to see how Golden State fares against the other contenders in the Western Conference. Because if they easily sweep this Denver team, watch out. And that kind of summarizes it for Saturday. And then Sunday, we have to go from least important game to most important game. And if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. The first one is actually the Miami Heat going against the Atlanta Hawks. The number one team in the Eastern Conference finally plays their first playoff game on that Easter Sunday against the play-in Atlanta Hawks, who went from the ninth to the eighth seed after the play-in against the Cavaliers in Cleveland. And let me tell you, they were great the entire play-in. They looked like they were chickens with no heads on Sunday. Miami won that one 115-91, never let up in this game. The ball movement was phenomenal. The Miami Heat defense was squandering all over Trey Young, Bogdan. I mean, it, it was just something that you just have to expect from this Miami Heat team. The expectation right now from a lot of Heat fans is actually winning it in four. And I was there in Miami. I even did the drive down of South Florida. I saw the game myself with my own eyes. And that Heat team is real. I don't think there's a doubt about that. And this place they have right now as the number one seed, I mean, they have a real chance of making it to the Eastern Conference Finals easily. But to basically go through the box scores, obviously, the one of the biggest things was that a silent 27-piece from Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson coming off of the bench, only playing about 22 to 23 minutes in that game, had 27 points and shooting 9 and 10 from the field. 90%, and majority of those shots are from three, if you know Duncan Robinson's game, coming off of the screen from the double and then off ball, catch the ball out there at the wing and shoot it for three. He was phenomenal in that game. Ball movement was getting to him every single time he was on the court. And it looked incredible to watch in person. He only missed one three. And that was the one shot he missed in the entire day. So Duncan Robinson really was something to behold. However, as I said before, it was a silent 27 points because everyone was looking right now at how intense that defense is. The man-to-man defense made Trey Young get a couple of turnovers. The Miami Heat, Jimmy Butler, 21 points. Kyle Lowry. Uh, I mean, he could play a little bit better. It was 50% from the field going 4-8 on field goal and then only had 10 points. However, 9 assists. So even though he wasn't shooting that all well, which we would expect from Kyle Lowry to at least give you at least 15-plus, 20-plus points as a starting point guard on that team, he's still facilitating well. Great facilitator. Got almost a double-double off of the assist. And then Bam and Obayo, I felt like he needed to improve his game a little bit. That's the only thing I would take away from that Miami Heat team. Bam and Obayo, I've been saying this since last year, he needs to create something with his isolation game because he's going to be put in situations where he's going to be in the post. He's going to take advantage on the weak front court of Atlanta, who is missing not only Clint Compella, but from the looks of it, they were missing out John Collins. Then he comes down out of nowhere in that first game, which I was actually really surprised he was going to play in that one. I thought they were going to kind of like, you know, Wait kind of patiently to brush him into playoff basketball. But Bam needs to take advantage of that. Bam played about 28 minutes in this one. 
Only six points and six rebounds. I really wanted more out of Bam. He went one and five from the field. That's the only thing I would take away from that Miami Heat team. However, Miami wins that one in a blowout for the first game against the Atlanta Hawks. The Milwaukee Bucks actually had a really entertaining game. As crazy as it sounds, the number three seed in the East goes against the number six seed in the Chicago Bulls. They win that one 93 to 86, but Milwaukee had a fantastic start to this game. And Chicago, honestly, was just unable to get a basket in the first half of that game. The first quarter, I believe that it was 34 to 21, Milwaukee up by 13. Chicago missed a lot of easy looks, mid-range Jays, right at the nail. Zach Levine was off. DeMar DeRozan is a great example. Played about 43 minutes in this one. He went 6-25. Vucevic, 9-27. Zach Levine, 6-19. Three of the starters on that team, who is usually the main focus on their offense, were all shooting below 35% individually. If they at least made 50% of their shots, they possibly could have taken a game away from the defending champs in Milwaukee. Now, that is a series, I think, besides the Minnesota Timberwolves series with the Memphis Grizzlies. I think that is a series to look at because Chicago's a sleeper. They've been a sleeper at the ending of the year. They were actually really great during the year. Their ball movement was fast, quick, on a snap. They are a heavy sleeper for this series. And I'm not saying that Milwaukee won't get the job done, but it's going to be real hard of a first series. Real hard of a first series. And then, of course, in Milwaukee's terms, they were able to rebound themselves as they got a little bit closer in the third quarter. Had a great stretch. Thanks a lot to Giannis Antetokounmpo, one of the three contenders for that MVP. Got 27 points and 16 rebounds. Looked unstoppable in the paint. And then Drew Holiday, actually with 15 points, almost getting with 40 minutes on the floor. And again, 6-16, six and 16, he has to pick it up a little bit. Again, Chris Middleton, a 4-13, has to pick it up a little bit. A lot of the All-Stars for both of these teams were really off tonight. The only person that has the exception is Honor Nakupo, just because of his ability to actually go into the paint and get himself a basket. And now, he's developed this three-point shot, which I gotta tell you, it's probably the most scariest thing to be even looking at if you're an NBA scout. Trying to figure out how the hell do you go and defend Giannis Antetokounmpo for a pole seven-game series. Definitely a huge matchup for Chicago. However, this game basically summarized it as a lot of all-stars unavailable that night, but the MVP came in for Milwaukee. That took that one 93-86. And then the game after this was actually the last game for the Western Conference's games won in the first round. The Phoenix Suns went 110 over... New Orleans Pelicans, 110-99. Now, Phoenix blew this one out of the water. 28-16 the first quarter. 25-18 in the second quarter. Phoenix winning both of those quarters back-to-back. I mean, New Orleans only had 34 points in the first half of basketball. A playoff team, no matter the eighth seed, 34 points in the first half of playoff basketball. That was an incredible defensive matchup for the Phoenix Suns to really show themselves as one of the better teams in defense. And they showed out as the Suns own a 19-point lead at the half with basically 34 to 
believe it was uh, 34 to 53. Or was it 50? I don't know. I'm not too good with math. I'm more of a journalism type of guy. But, you know, the Phoenix Suns did have that halftime lead of 19 points. And the Pelicans were only down by 8 nearing the final period of the game. Just because they kind of blew out in a stretch of having 37 points alone in the third quarter. So they definitely rebounded themselves, outscoring their first half score just in one quarter. But in reality, Phoenix is built a little bit different. They got that veteran presence, a candidate for NBA Coach of the Year, and they were able to rebound themselves in the fourth quarter and ended up winning that game by a total of eight. So my apologies, by a total of 11, as they won that one 110 to 99. But do look after that series just because I feel like the Pelicans might squeak a game out. I'm not saying they won't win the series, but they will probably squeak a game out. And then the last one I have to say is probably the most anticipated series that we've had so far. As early as it is in this playoffs. The, Mo the Brooklyn Nets facing off against the Boston Celtics. Even though this is a matchup. For the second seed going against the seventh seed, this feels like an Eastern Conference Finals. And I hate it because I feel like the fans have been cheated of this to know that one of these two teams, as great as they are, with phenomenal offensive players, would end up not even making it past the first round. One of these teams would I be able to even defend themselves at all on NBA Twitter timelines. So in this game, it was really hard to even look at. I mean, we're really going back and forth. There was a lot of fouls, almost 15 fouls in total for that first quarter between the Brooklyn Nets and the Boston Celtics, which was in TD Garden, absolutely sold out on an Easter Sunday. And the atmosphere is always crazy in TD. It's really hard to win in a place that's in the Northeast, especially in Boston, just because of the rich basketball history and the fan base over there. But it was a sold-out arena. There was a lot of fouls, real intense at the beginning. I don't know if it was just jitters or the Boston Celtics who haven't played in almost more than a week, or that the Brooklyn Nets went back-to-back -back trying to get to the playoffs, made it into a play-in, and finally made it through and had a little bit of a rest. But both these teams were kind of soft coming off in that first quarter, and it was close all the way to the end until the third quarter happened where Boston actually went up and after that took an 11-point lead going into the fourth. And that was thanks to Marcus Smart on a couple of threes and a Boston run of double digits plus which really kind of put them over the top there and then Kyrie Irving who actually ended off this game with 39 points and shooting more than just about actually on the dot 60% from the field went 12 and 20 overall for field goal 39 points from him about 20 of them came from that fourth quarter and they almost took the lead in everything like that going down the stretch with a couple of seconds left off of Kyrie fadeaway j jumper from the three-point line on the left wing. He makes it no easier bucket than that from Kyrie Irving because the Boston Celtics defense was all on him going around zigzag like a mouse through a cage. It was something phenomenal to see a Celtic defense going against a prime Kyrie Irving, which I have to say Kyrie is in his prime. But... So furthermore, on that Celtics defense and how impressive it was, Kevin Durant couldn't get himself started off on a hot take. Even though he was in this game for 41 minutes, 23 points coming out of him. Went 9-24 and from the field. Just about 37.5 for percentage of field goal. And the craziest thing about it, 1-5 from 3. 
the Brooklyn Nets have three starters on their team in Kevin Durant, Bruce Brown, and Seth Curry, who only made one three. One three. Durant was one and five. Curry, one and four. And Bruce Brown, one and one. But still, it, you get the idea. The perimeter was shut down with the Boston Celtics. The only person to even get to more than five threes in this game was Kyrie Irving, who was shooting them up like crazy. But his accuracy was insane. He went 6-10 and 10 from three, actually, and let alone 9-9 and 9 from the free throw line. So Kyrie couldn't miss. He almost a perfect game. But at last, Andre Drummond got into foul trouble early. Claxton got into foul trouble a little bit later on in the game. The most efficient player throughout that first half of the game on the bench for Brooklyn was actually Goran Dragic, who within 14 minutes got 14 points, but didn't get anything else 12 minutes afterwards when he was on the court. So he got kind of cold late. And the Boston Celtics, who were literally coming out to lead in this game, had a goose egg of a performance in the fourth quarter. And we're really lucky to slip this one away. As I said before, they basically take that 11-point lead going to the fourth quarter. And then they get outscored by 10 in the fourth due to poor shooting performances and Kyrie Irving going off like crazy. The Boston Celtics barely made it out of this one. And then the last three minutes, they decided to get back on defense, readjust, and they were able to shut down the Brooklyn Nets, who ended up only making about three to five points in the remaining two minutes of the game. And the Celtics, the last thing I would probably say about that game was the last series of back and forth. The Celtics defense in the last couple of seconds, and I'm going based on the last possession of Brooklyn and the last possession of the Boston Celtics, which basically ended the game. The Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving, was taking the ball down, was in the left wing with Marcus Mark guarding him. He drives inside, loops around in the paint as Al Horford comes in for the help. Now, the thing I found really curious about this was that when Al Horford came in, we saw Bruce Brown cut into the basket. And then later on, we see that they had somebody in the corner three on the left side. They had other guys around him where he can easily, just off of Al Horford going for the double team, easily pass it off to a man. He ends up taking the ball with himself, never picking it up. And then at the last three seconds of the shot clock, he passes it out to KD, who has Jason Tatum, who I have to say has become a great two-way defender, two-way player, giving off Kevin Durant a hard problem as he contested a three-point shot from KD. It went far to the left and hit off the rim. Now, for that last possession, I understand Kyrie's hot, 39 points, but you got to move the ball around if they're the Brooklyn Nets. You got to at least give a chance for the other guys to be in the game, not let alone at least get a chance for your team to win the game with a much better shot instead of a contested KD for three. But with that being said, their possession end and Al Horford ended up getting the rebound and they had Jalen Brown taking it down the court, takes it inside, almost goes out baseline. He finds Marcus Smart at the left wing. And the one thing that I have to say has proven that this Celtic team has grown throughout the year is that Marcus Smart didn't take the three. Two guys came towards him. He pump fakes. I guarantee you right now, if it was the first 10 games of the season, Marcus Smart takes that shot. 
Marcus Smart has literally become the best facilitator and best point guard for that team. And the Celtics are a real contender just because Marcus Smart is a huge piece of that. So Marcus Smart, he pump fake, takes one dribble inside. Kevin Durant doesn't help as Tatum goes down for the drop-in as he's trying to get Jalen Brown at the top of the perimeter. And as KD stands there, Tatum drives in unannounced. Marcus quickly passes to him. Tatum collects his ball. And Kyrie Irving is right there under the basket in front of Tatum. The only person in the way. And honestly, from first glance, I thought it was going to be a charge. Because the only way that Tatum will ever even be able to get this ball and avoid the charge as he's going full speed into the paint is if he does a miraculous spin. And that's exactly what happens. Jason Tatum does a miraculous spin, one foot pivot foot, doesn't move it at all, and takes it inside for a layup with seconds remaining on the clock. Jason Tatum, the first seller to get a buzzer beater in the playoffs since Paul Pierce has done it in 2010, was able to win the game for the Boston Celtics as they win that one in a close matchup, 115-114 over the Brooklyn Nets. A marquee matchup which will probably have six more games, as crazy as that sounds. But Tatum got it done. He had a slow start in the beginning, as well as Kevin Durant going with 31 points from Tatum, Al Horford 20, Jalen Brown 23, Marcus Smart 20. So four Celtics scored 20-plus points. The bench didn't show up that much. And then again, the Boston Celtics themselves were shooting below 45% from the field overall in this game. So this wasn't the best game out of the Boston Celtics. As crazy as that sounds, or even may seem to those who don't watch that team, it wasn't the best game coming out of the Boston Celtics. And some can argue it could also be not the best game coming out of Brooklyn. But this was an incredible game just to be a part of or just to watch. And with that being said, that kind of sums her up. All the first games across the East and Western Conference in the first round. And now we go into the predictions for every series that we can have. First off, we're going to start off with the Western Conference. And this one is going to be a little bit of a doozy. I'm not going to lie to you. Actually, I'm really surprised I even said the word doozy. I don't think anybody says that. But this is what I feel like is going to happen. With Phoenix taking the lead over the New Orleans Pelicans, I expect that one to be a sweep, clean as it is, ends in four games. I think Chris Paul, Devin Booker, have on off of a great year, probably the best year we've seen from him. They're going to continue that run as they try to make it back to the finals for two years straight. After that, we're looking at the four and fifth seed, Dallas Mavericks versus Utah. That series, unless Luka comes back, I think Donovan Mitchell's got that one. I think the Utah Jazz has that one. I don't think that there's enough size on that on that Dallas team. They already lost home court advantage as they already gave up game one. And Luka coming off of a calf strain, who knows how he's going to perform coming off an injury. And honestly, I mean, besides Brunson, Dinwiddie, there's not a lot of guys they can look at at offense. And plus, one of the best efficient offenses in the NBA, especially in the Western Conference, is Utah Jazz. So I expect Utah to take that one in six games and specifically maybe losing one game in Utah next series Golden State versus Denver I have Golden State winning that one in five games I don't believe in Denver I don't really feel like Jokic can actually carry that team over Golden State especially the way that Golden State played in that first game and Golden State is mixing around the starting five 
They're mixing around the roster. You don't just do that against an MVP and a playoff team like Denver. So the fact that Golden State's even doing any of that, it definitely means that they're built for contention. I think that they make it past the first round simple. And then the most aggressive first round in the Western Conference, Memphis against Minnesota. I'm going to take Minnesota in seven games. These are two teams, young, a lot of athleticism, great shooters in Minnesota. Memphis, great ball chemistry, basically a coach of the year candidate in Memphis. The staff looks fine in both sides. Both of these teams and franchises are on the rise. But Minnesota, they look like the way that they're playing the past few games from the play-in and then from now, they look like a whole different team. They don't even look like the seventh seed. And honestly, I thought that they were going to take the sixth seed and make it into the playoffs. I didn't even think they were going to play in team. So definitely feel like Memphis will have a struggle there. I think that John Morant, and funny about John Morant, he actually posted a uh, something on Instagram about Michael Jordan, one of the uh, last dance documentaries where MJ has a baseball bat after their game one loss against Charlotte. And he's like swinging in and talking about trash talk and whatnot. I mean, that might actually bite him back because I really do not believe that Memphis is going to win this one just because I feel like they had a great regular season run, but they're not going to have any type of playoff experience, let alone a playoff win in the next few days. So I think Minnesota does take that one in seven. They have a huge lead and then they lose it and then they regain it later on that series, which is an interesting one. But Minnesota should take that one in seven. And then now we go to the Eastern Conference, which most would say has the most contenders in the NBA. First, I had to get this out of the way. Miami in four. There's not much to talk about. It's Trey Young against who else? A hell of a team in Miami who has about seven guys who could probably give you a 30-piece by nightly, every night. No question in my mind. The ball movement continues in Miami's way. Their defense sticks to it. They're going to win every game in Miami, and they're probably going to take a game or two away in Atlanta, which I expect them to sweep. Philadelphia going against Toronto. I thought this series was going to be closer than it was. After that first game, it might get a little bit physical in Toronto. Both of these teams are actually going back and forth for a little bit, a little bit chippiness here and there between Pascal and Embiid and also the other players from Toronto were a little bit frustrated of their game against Philadelphia. The Philadelphia fans are huge believers in their team. I don't think there's a doubt in my mind, but I mean, who knows what these two fan bases can do to each other in this series. So I honestly think that this game is going to go with six games. It's going to Philadelphia. I think that Toronto does take game three and four when they do go back. To Toronto, I think Philadelphia takes game two. And then the last two games, game five and six, I mean, Philly should close it out. If this goes more than seven games, I'm going to be a little bit more shocked than anybody else because I thought this was going to be an even series, but I don't feel like Philadelphia should lose this one in the first round. Milwaukee against Chicago. That one should go six games, Milwaukee. I said what I said. Chicago will make that an interesting series. They might even win every single game in Chicago. However, Milwaukee 
we still don't know how they look like on the road. Great record on the road, but against the Chicago team who might be in full form by game three, if they do take game three, you have no idea. So just to be safe, I'm saying Milwaukee in six games because it could take a seven-game decision or it could be a decision made in game five. But that one, it's definitely one of those question marks I had to put up for any of these matchups, but definitely a game to look after. And then last but not least, the Boston Celtics against the Brooklyn Nets. I have the Celtics winning that one in six. I firmly do believe that the Celtics will not drop a single game at home during these playoffs. And just for that, and to see how the fan base looks like in Brooklyn, and playing in Brooklyn, I don't feel like the Celtics have an issue. In the past five games, including this playoff game, the Celtics are 4-5 and five against the Brooklyn Nets this season. Kyrie Irving scored 39. It was almost perfect. It still wasn't enough. Probably the best game we've seen out of the Brooklyn Nets in this playoff series was that game one, and they didn't even get the win out of it. All right? KD, in one of the games during the regular season against the Boston Celtics, scored 30-plus points, didn't get the win out of it. People are talking about, oh, KD and Kyrie are going to give me 60 points a game. The Boston Celtics starting five was going to give you 100 to 80-plus points a game. Who else on that team in Brooklyn is going to help them out? Possibly Goran Dragic. Who knows what Steve Nash might do? And this is probably going to be a marquee matchup for the ages. But honestly, if this goes seven games, I wouldn't be surprised. But I'll be damn sure surprised if Boston loses a game in Boston. So I'm taking that one in six. And that will basically be the ending of this podcast here. We'll be right back on Friday with another episode as we take a midway first round summary for this first couple of games. And this is actually going to be a lot of great matchups. Today being Monday, the 18th of April, we actually have Philadelphia playing their second game against Toronto, the Mavericks playing against the Jazz, and then the Warriors against the Nuggets for all their game twos in the Western Conference first round. 7.30 is that Sixers game. Mavericks host the Utah Jazz at 8.30, and then Warriors against Nuggets at 10. So don't, forget look out for friday and i'll see you back next time